Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back to Unleashed Podcast. We're diving right in. This is I feel weird, like you, like like you say, this is your host Nathan Sanford. You know, I don't know how to even, anyways. But I guess I am your host Nathan Sanford, and <laughs> it just sounded weird saying that. Um, but anyway, welcome back. This is uh, Unleashed Podcast, where uh, basically what we're doing is we're going through the whole Bible, and we're just picking a book, and we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And doing our best to just get the word, like get the word of God as best as we can and dive into it and listen to Holy Spirit and use cultural, linguistic, historical, uh, everything context to get the best possible meaning we can. Because holy smokes, we need the word in this hour. I mean, my goodness, we need the word of God. We need the power of God. We need the scriptures pouring through us, pouring out of us. And I am, am amazed at the level of distortion and perversion of the Word of God that we have out there right now. And, you know, I know I'm just one little teeny voice, and there's many voices out there with, with much more prominence than I have and probably smarter than me and all this other stuff. But you know what the Lord told me? They're not your voice. So use the voice I gave you. So if your voice resonates with my little voice here, and this is pouring into you, praise God, because that's what this is for. And I don't care if it's five or five million. It's God is moving, and the word is getting going out and coming forth. And I'm going to use everything I have and everything I am to make sure that the power in the word of God comes forth in this hour, because, man, do we need it. So we kind of like are going to jump into some, again, uh, suffering comes up a lot in the book of First Peter. And of course, I, we talked about the reason suffering comes up in the book of First Peter is because the neuronic persecution or the persecution of Nero is on at this time. And, and Peter's writing to a number of churches kind of around Asia or was considered Asia at the time that are really coming under some hardcore persecution. And so uh, you know, Peter knows this and he's trying to encourage them and he's trying to also kind of just tell them, hey, you know, this is going to happen. But I think, again, uh, and I'm not going to go into this because I've gone into this so many times and on so many different uh, different podcasts and different teachings. And so um, you could look up those uh, on Soul Brothers podcast that I do with Keith. You could check out my YouTube page um, on Unleashed Ministries. So and again, I, there's a lot I have about suffering. I still haven't even gone really into suffering in depth like I want to. But we just finished like a four hours or five hours or something like that of teachings on suffering. So I'm certainly not going to go into a lot of that right now. But all I want to do is say that there's, you know, been kind of the two ditches, right? There's been the, the ditch on the one side, which is usually associated with prosperity gospel or it's associated with seeker sensitive churches or just kind of associated with kind of a greasy grace. Like they kind of throw all of them into one pile. And, and it's, it's the ditch of essentially God is there to take away all the suffering and to make sure that you as a believer are never going to suffer again. And if you are suffering, like something's wrong with you or, you know, you just don't have enough faith or, you know, you're just not doing it right because otherwise you would not be suffering at all. And, and you should never suffer. And it's, it's an indication that, you know, you seem to be joyful and happy all the time. And if you ever struggle like you just suck or something like that. So you have sort of that ditch, which I think is tremendously hurtful to people, or uh, certainly it can be. 
Then, of course, the other ditch of suffering is kind of what I grew up with and maybe what people are kind of more familiar with in the charismatic and Pentecostal circles. Um, but maybe not just that, like kind of any circle, actually. I've, I've heard this many, many times from um, just your normal, you know, evangelical, denominational, what we call mainline denomination churches, whether it's Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever. And the other ditch is essentially that God loves suffering. He's all about suffering. And he will force you to suffer um, in order to refine your character. And it's, or it's usually something like that, like refine your character. Or if you're in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, the suffering is designed to get you to your great calling. So you have this great high calling and you, ha you have to suffer in order to get your character refined so that your character can be strong enough to hold the great anointing and the great power and the great whatever that this calling entails. And so the, these are kind of the ditches that I see. And there's all kinds of stuff all through the middle. And, you know, I think that it's super important that we have a proper biblical paradigm of suffering and, and also to understand, and I want to fully admit this myself, and I don't know if other people will, but I want to fully admit that guys, when it comes to suffering, we, we sometimes are just going to have to say, you know what? I don't know. I, you know, we're gonna have to say, why is this going on? I don't know. I'm just going to have to say, I don't know the answer to that. And, and when I don't know the answer, I always tell everyone, go back to what you do know. And what we do know is that God loves us, that he is for us, that he, you know, when you ask him for something good, he doesn't give you a stone, right? He gives you a piece of bread that we're called to come before him and to, and to beseech him and also to declare his wonders in the world. But he loves us, he is for us, and he is a good father. Like, these are things we can absolutely stand on in any realm of suffering that our only answer is going to be God. And I want everyone to understand that. Like our only answer is going to be going to the comforter and the God of all comfort. Um, so sometimes we're just not going to know where it's going to come from. But I just want to point out those two ditches can be real dangerous and we need to have a better and more deep understanding of suffering in, in order to not fall into either one of those ditches. So Anyway, we left off in 1 Peter 5, 8, and we're going to continue with this. So, but all this, basically where we left off was he calls us, Peter says, look, you got to be on of sober spirit, meaning, and before that he talks about anxiety, and he basically is saying anxiety is like a drug, like it can actually, uh, it's like a drug to your spirit. It can, it can kind of dull your spirit, um, and that, because he calls you to be of sober spirit, like he's saying, be on the alert, like it's the opposite of being anxious. Um, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so he's basically saying, like, if you allow anxiety to take over, it will dull you. It will be like you're drunk. It will be like you're, you know, you're not functioning properly. Um, and that is kind of like he's drawing a difference between, um, you know, basically understanding that the devil is after you and at the same time not being anxious about it it's like it's like if you're in anxiety it'll make you more vulnerable but you shouldn't be so like not anxious that <laughs> you you don't know that we have an enemy so anyway he says basically your prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and then he gives us the next line here which is basically what to do knowing that is but resist him and here's the deal. I, I really appreciate this next line because this is a place where he does say resist him and tells you exactly how to do it. He says, resist him firm in your faith, 
resist him firm or literally the word your isn't actually in the original text. It literally says, but resist him firm in faith. So I want everyone to understand that most of the answer to the attack of the enemy and most of the answer to suffering, and I get that some suffering, there is a mourning period. There's a period of dealing with the emotions that result from grief and suffering. Like, I understand that. But ultimately, the, the, the answer is faith. Like he says, how do you resist the enemy in these attacks? You stay firm in faith, meaning we're not believing for bad things and we're not chalking up this suffering to something, you know, that God wants us to go through necessarily. Um, if you get revelation on that, great, but don't chalk up every ounce of suffering in your life to somehow God is torturing you. Like this is not biblical and, and it, it's a good idea to come before the Lord with your suffering. Go, God, what is going on here? Like, what is happening here? There, there's not, that's a good thing to do. But understand that resisting him sometimes is to say, I'm staying firm in faith. In other words, I'm not going to waver to the right or to the left. I'm going to stay firm in faith. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God, who he is. I'm going to believe in the promises of God. And I'm going to stay firm in knowing that Jesus Christ is real. He is here. He is in me. He has called me. He is for me. And his hand is on me. And I'm going to resist the enemy by staying firm in faith. Then he says this, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In other words, understanding you're not alone, you know, when you're suffering, because guess what? Every believer out there is being persecuted. And ev this is what Peter's saying to them, which was way more true in their time than ours, at least in America. I understand worldwide it's a different situation, but he's saying he's saying every all understand that your brothers and sisters are being are suffering just like you are to understand, look, this isn't unique to you. Like you're not a victim of some special attack of the enemy. Like just to understand that you need to stay firm in faith because your brethren are hurting too. And I think kind of intimated here is sometimes we got to stay firm in our faith to support them, to stay strong for them. In verse 10, he says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ See, here's the deal. He's like, look, this isn't saying uh, now some people have read this verse like verse 10 after you have suffered for a little while as somehow this is like the command or the mandate or how it must be like somehow Peter's saying everyone must suffer. And that is not what he's saying. Even the way this this uh, Greek is structured is not he's not saying that. All he's doing is acknowledging the fact that they are suffering and they are um, they're suffering because they're being persecuted. Again, once again, this is suffering that is coming from external persecution, which is almost all of the suffering of the New Testament. It's not some internal turmoil where we're constantly anxious and we're constantly depressed like that is not the kind of suffering that the Bible um, is referring to most of the time or ver I, I'm, I would actually say all of the time like in the New Testament the suffering of the New Testament is not internal anxiousness and depression and self-hatred and and hurt and pain like this isn't what the Bible typically refers to when it's talking about suffering the suffering that he's referring to here and again virtually every time I can think of off the top of my head 
is the suffering that comes from persecution. So it's either like that's what's happening to them. They are being persecuted by the Roman government directly. They're also being persecuted by Jews directly. And they're also being um, persecuted by the enemy. Like they're being directly attacked by the enemy. So just so everyone knows, it is like outside in kind of suffering. It's that kind of persecution and suffering. And he's not saying everybody has to do it. He's saying after you suffer for a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, see, some people look at this and they go, well, see, no, what he's saying is, look, this suffering, God is not going to let last. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's saying the suffering, the persecution you're going through, guess what? God is not going to let it go on. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. When you suffered for a little while, he's like, and just so everybody knows, it's like, there's like this weird tension between like, like, okay, there's suffering that is caused by the decisions of others, like, which is this case here. There's suffering that's caused by persecution from unbelievers, attack from the enemy, persecution from other believers. I mean, there's all kinds of, of persecution and suffering. And what he's saying is like that has a shelf life. Like God is not going to just let it go on. So when he suffered for a little while, that's what he's saying. He's saying God, it won't continue to allow it. But just so you guys understand, there is, there has to be some kind of an allowance for, for suffering that comes from persecution from others. And the reason that has to be allowed is that we serve a God of absolute love. We serve a God of pure and perfect love, which means that he has to allow other people to make decisions. And in their free will decisions out of his love for them that he has to let them make, they may make and oftentimes do make decisions that cause themselves and other people suffering. And so what he's saying is I have to allow that for a while. In other words, I have to allow other people to make decisions that result in your suffering. But what he's saying is after a little while, I mean, he's literally just saying, look, this isn't going to last. God, God has to allow some suffering to come to you as a result of others' decisions because he has to allow the consequences of their decisions to hit you. See, if he didn't allow the consequences of their decisions to hit you, he wouldn't be a loving God because he has to allow for choice. And if you mitigate the consequences of every decision, you're not really allowing for choice. Like you're allowing people to make a choice, but not to suffer the good or bad consequences of their choices, which really in effect is not a choice. It's more, it really is just control. And that isn't who God is. So he, but basically what he's saying is, look, the suffering you're experiencing as a result of other people's sin, I will not allow to continue. Because he said only a little while, and I want everyone to hear that. This only is allowed for a little while. And then the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I want you guys to understand, it isn't the suffering that's causing the perfection, the confirmation, the strengthening, and the establishing. What, is, what does it say that's doing that? It says, he himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Meaning, like, look, uh, he has to allow the suffering to go on, and then he will come in, and he will, he will confirm you, perfect you, strengthen, and establish you. So in other words, as, after you're going, well, even during, you're going through this stuff, after a little while, he will swoop in as the good father he is, and he will bring you blessing, confirmation, confirmation, strength, perfection, and he will establish you and heal you and set you free. That's what he's saying. And that's why when he goes, to him be dominion 
forever and ever. Amen. Meaning like he's the God of dominion. He's not going to allow suffering just to go on indefinitely. Like he has an answer and he's coming for you. So um, the last part of this, we'll go through real briefly, and then we'll kind of sum up this whole, um, this whole book of First Peter before we move to the next book. Uh, the last little verse here is just a very personal thing, right? He, he says this, verse 12, Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, meaning he's just letting him know, like, like uh, Silvanus is the scribe, and Peter is just like dictating it, and Silvanus is writing it down exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. And I love this statement. He goes in very strong Greek, very strong. It's like super yelling at you. He goes, stand firm in it. Like it's really strong. He goes through Silvanus, our faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. He's like, understand that he is coming, that he has dominion, that he is God, that whatever suffering you're going through, he is going to bring it into it. He doesn't let it last forever. It's only going to be a little while. And you've got to stand firm knowing that he is God and he has grace and he will perfect, establish, confirm and strengthen you. It says, verse 13, she who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. And here's an awkward command. Greet one another with a kiss of love. And I always think, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It is so sad to me that we have caught into a place. This is a whole nother thing, but I guess I might as well um, address it right here. Uh, basically he, he this is an imperative he literally gives this this command greet one another with a kiss of love now unfortunately our culture has become so sexually perverted that any kind of touch from especially opposite sex from man to woman or woman to man is like so suspect and so looked upon with like uh grossness or or you know some cor- sort of ulterior motive or some sort of lust that we've gone to the point where you can't even like hug anyone almost like you have to do the christian side hug like you can't do the christian frontal hug because somehow this is going to be nasty or gross and look i understand completely that we are living in a culture that is so perverted and so gross and nasty that a full frontal hug is like something you almost have to be careful of because of the the things that can happen you know because of uh, what's in people's hearts and because of the brokenness and the perversion and and i understand the christian side hug rule because of or I know this isn't every church everywhere, but I've been in actually sat in meetings. I remember as a young adult, I went to a young adult group and they spent, oh my goodness, probably an hour and a half uh, teaching us how to hug properly so that we came, when we came to church, we did the Christian side hug and made sure we didn't like violate holy principles of side hugness. And, and it was kind of weird. Like it went on for a long time. And while I understood like where they're coming from, like I got that they're okay. I get that they're sexual perversion. It actually, I know because I was a part of this young adult group for like a year, it really just drove underground everybody's needs and ended up uh, that kind of manifested in sexual perversion later. It was like, well, we can't full frontal hug in front of everyone, so we're going to have sex behind closed doors. And <laughs> I'm not saying that happens everywhere all the time, but it definitely happened in the youth, in the young adult group that I was part of at that time. And it was just kind of, you know, weird. It just broke my heart because it was like these people just wanted to connect and love one another. And because there was such strict rules on it out of the idea that this is holy, that it actually just drove it and perverted it later on, which I'm not saying that has to happen. I'm just saying that it does oftentimes happen. And so all I'm saying is like he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm sorry, greet one another with a kiss of love. And it's like, wow, that's 
that's a pretty intimate thing to be like <laughs> telling people to do it. All I'm saying is when we have a scripture like that, just to understand that as believers, there's healthy ways to show physical affection that's non-sexual and that we need and that we're called by God to do that. Like we're actually called by the scriptures to show physical, non-sexual affection um, with one another that is healthy and good and that we're called to do that and that there's ways to do that. So all I'm saying is let's do that properly and carefully because it is a command in the word. I mean, we're not taking that literally. Like most people don't go and start kissing each other when they see each other at church. I mean, that, that'd be weird, right? And most people don't do that, but that's what the word says. And again, this isn't, we don't, you know, we're going to take this culturally, which is, and all I'm trying to say is we need to be appropriately affectionate with one another in a healthy way. And if it makes anyone feel uncomfortable in any way, then we don't do it. You know, we do it in a different way or don't do it at all if, if a person is uncomfortable. But there needs to be a healthy way to do it. So anyway, that's all I'm saying with that. And he says, peace be to you, all who are in Christ. And that's kind of the end of the, the whole end of the book. So I just want to wrap up First Peter by saying, yes, suffering. These people went through suffering. He talks about standing firm in faith. He talks about it's not going to last too long. He basically talked about how we want all of your suffering to come only from being righteous. In other words, he doesn't want you to suffer because of bad choices you're making. He actually wants you to suffer because of good choices you're making, meaning he wants you to suffer for your faith in Christ. If you suffer at all, that's where he wants your suffering to come from. And that's um, that kind of sums up big chunks of the book. And, you know, he talks to leaders. We went over that. He talks to lots of different things. We've gone over all of that. So next uh, next podcast, we're going to start a brand new book. And I'm going to make it a surprise, but we're going to start with a brand new book. And hopefully you guys are super blessed by the book I choose because I'm super excited. I, I'm pretty sure I know what book we're going to do. Um, so I'll talk to you guys soon. We'll start a brand new book of the Bible. We'll dive into God's word and we will go for it. All right, love you guys. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to get another podcast or two out prior to Thanksgiving. But, um, you know, maybe if you're listening to this before, I hope you have an awesome time praising God, being with your family. It's going to be a wonderful one. I really love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.